What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Hidden in Plain Sight. Up front, I want to do a little update. So, some of you may have noticed that my main page on Instagram is gone. Completely gone. Can't find it. Nothing. They nuked it. It is wiped off the face of the earth. But, in protest, I have created a new page. You can find that one at Spaces Fake and Gay. That's right. They let me make that page. So, fuck them. And I'm going hard on flat earth stuff on that page because I just want to rock the boat. I want to see what I can do and see how fast I can get a page nuked. We'll see. I'm already at 100 followers. So it's growing quickly. Go check it out. Share it with your friends because I'm going to have fun with that one. But alas, I digress. This episode, I welcome Chase from the great podcast Interverse. This dude is doing fantastic work. He's talking to people like Howdy Mikowski. He's talking about vibration and sound healing. He is just an amazing dude with a ton of knowledge and just a great mind. So if you haven't heard of this dude, check him out. Share it with your friends. Give him a like and subscribe. But before you do any of that, check out this interview I do with him because we have a lot of fun. So let's get to it. But let's start with some tough love, all right? Ready for this? Here goes. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. Military-industrial complex. purpose throughout history has been to teach a small number of people how to become adept at controlling everyone else. At controlling everyone else. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. A new world order. of this fourth uh, industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing it changes you changes you you have to be asleep not to see that that is what's going that on. That is what's going on. All right, everybody. Welcome to Hidden in Plain Sight. I am your not-so-humble host, Moral Bob. And today, I've got a fellow intellectual explorer, a fellow raiser of vibrations, someone who seeks truth of ourselves and this realm i'd like to welcome chance from interverse how's it going brother dude it's never been better yeah man that's what a lot of people don't understand is uh it gets better every day doesn't it it can it can i had this like hack i used to do kind of forgot to do it but every day i would tell myself it was the best day of my life and then i would keep track of like what number it was on and get on a hot streak like 80 days 
80 days since it wasn't the best day of my life. <laughs> you can frame things it's that way, no matter what's going on, because technically you've got more experience than any previous day. So it should be your right. best day, your best self, no matter what's going on. You have the most opportunity than the previous day. Each day offers more opportunity than the one before it. That's the way yeah, I and like the to present look at day it. is the only one that even ever existed. Right. Exactly. We only ever live in the present. So if you focus too much on the past or the future, then you're going to lose sight of the only time that matters, which is now. Yeah, man, I've been really interested in how past and future both are streams branching out from the present moment and that maybe the past could be just as mutable in terms of what we can perceive about it and what we find when we look into it as the future based on our perspective of what is possible and our willingness to imagine outside of previous boundaries. I was talking to my buddy Gabriel, uh, Slick Dissident on YouTube. Shout out to Gabriel. We've been hanging out this week. We got to catch up in real life, which is pretty cool. Come off screens and meet some uh, like-minded friends and make it into fam. That's really rare these days. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll have to just talk about that because that's what I'm fresh off of. I met a lot of cool people. But we were talking, we do these Marvel movie decodes so we're always talking about the symbolism hidden in marvel movies and we were talking about uh avengers endgame and the conversation was about the parallel between tony stark and dr strange iron man and dr strange they both got the black hair and the goatee one is kind of like the ultimate defender of the world via technology and the other through science so they're really mirrored in parallel and it struck me i was like wait the plot of that movie they both time travel. Uh, Doctor Strange views all the possible futures and possible future outcomes to try to find the one thread where they can save the universe. But then Iron Man goes back in time and finds the one thread that allows them to save the universe. So they both do this like time travel parallel past the future. And it makes me think about how the solution for all the problems that we currently have in the present moment it does come from this double-pronged approach of first you need to be able to imagine the future that you would actually want which can take a lot of work you might have to sift through many variant timelines <laughs> but that's key like if you can't hold the vision of something better or you can't even open your imagination beyond the life you're in that is the tra that's the trap now you're in the cage of of life if you will you're on a hamster wheel so like an example of that would be how okay, manifesting. Yeah. 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 yeah manifesting. And then that comes out of the lessons from the past. But when we start to think about how our life could be different, how we could utilize technology differently, how we could connect to nature in a better way, it also changes the way we look at what came from the past. Like as the world, not the whole world, but you know, the deeper thinkers that are ready to shed paradigms that are so limiting started to consider the universe as fully and solely electrical I should say solely but like that that's the primary force of everything it wasn't long before we started seeing the antiquitech that was all around us and the ancient architecture that wait a minute we took this for granted but we can't even how would you build that <laughs> nobody could build that now and what are all these things doing what is this technology what is what are these resonance patterns and the stained glass windows of cathedrals the rose windows as they call them what are these giant organs and 
through the different tones that they create even have potentially correlation to our organs, all this type of stuff. But we couldn't see that that existed in the past until we started to expand out of the paradigm that we've been locked in. Like when you look at, it's not the most tasteful thing to look at, but <laughs> slavery, slavery, the key thing to have slavery work, or one of the key things is you have to limit the language of the slave so that ideally they're down to just a few hundred possible words and that there's no way in their language and the words they know to have any kind of idea of a life that would be better than the life they have. There are plantation owners letters where they're writing to each other about like best practices as a slave guy. Then they specifically will say that to each other. Like you got to make sure that they can't say anything or conceive of anything through words that would be any better or different than what they currently have. And that has always been what is done to us through media and culture constantly. I was going to say, that's where we are right now. Like, yeah, buddy. People it, like, you know, when I try to tell people that we're living wrong and we could be living a, a higher vibration, more united, peaceful state, people look at me like I'm crazy. You know, they're like, what do you mean? Because all they know is the world that is around them and they can't imagine it without the society that we have or government that we have or whatever structure they hold on to religion, state. You know. Government's the big one. The government is the big one. world without government. That is every. That's the hidden in plain sight. That's the religion that the whole world seems to be practicing and not even recognizing that it's a religion. Right. I. I mean, I'm astounded by how many people still think we need government. Like that. That whole thought Basically pattern. Basically, all of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a. It's a majority. Um. And so they are stuck in this the, Stockholm the syndrome. Paradigm. There's a false paradigm of has to be government as we know it or absolute zero government anarchy. And really, wouldn't the solution be somewhere in the middle where, you know, maybe we could still have forms of governments and agreements and contracts and ways of running our own business on a local level. And well, the that only could be so different than what it is now. Right. The only thing that makes the government, I mean, not the only thing, but what gives it power and makes it a bad thing is the lack of the lack of consent like a voluntary government is fine because it has no power you know if you don't have to do what they tell you to it has no power but it, you could still it's like it's like going to your doctor technically your doctor governs that office you know it, it is his hierarchy he is the government if it, especially if it's a private practice if it's a hospital it's even more of a government and then you know, if you want to leave, you just leave. If you don't like what the doctor's doing, if you don't like the environment or the people that work there, you just you just take off. You're just like, okay, I don't like this. They really are the government, though, because you can just look at how many of your probably relatives have at one point or another been in some kind of health trouble. And immediately, no matter how rebellious they might be in other areas of life, as soon as it's like scary for them in any way, the response tends to be whatever the doctor says, whatever the doctor says, <laughs> government means mind control. So <laughs> you're spot on, you're spot on with doctors being government because it's a huge mind control spell. And in fact, the cult of the medics goes back into the same roots as the religion of statecraft and how over time the priestly class sort of took over 
government and made it secularized and obscured their presence. But in fact, the very same old oldest religion, the cult of Helios is a good way of putting it, sun cult, they have been behind the scenes of every major government, every mafia, and especially the mafia of what passes for health scare. Right. It's, you know, people think that um, there could ever be a system, you know, government is what keeps us from having a system of um, the strongest ruling, you know, they're like, well, without government, it would just be like warlords. And I'm like, how is that any different than it is now? Like, I say that all the time. I, I like to say it like this. The government is the armed gang that you're afraid would take over in the absence of government. Yep. So we're already there. So what? What? We're not going to be able to try something different. Right. Like, I, And so what I what I try to do with any of these people is like, OK, what problem do you think we need government for? And let's talk about that. Let's try to find a peaceful resolution to the problem you think requires violence. Like, if we can get to that, we're good, man. Like, because that's what it's all about. Man. And then, like, we are supposed to be these high energy, very well connected, peaceful beings. That's what humans are supposed to be. It's what we're capable of, at least. Um, I, I think we're capable of all sorts of crazy shit that most people would label me a complete whack job for even saying but um i think they tell us everything through movies and tv shows what we're able to do um and i think they they're constantly dividing us to separate our energy to keep us from connecting our energy because when our energies connect they magnify yes that's a real thing that's a real thing that gets into the mechanics of the biofield and the aura which is an electrical system too would be fun to get into that and talk about that actually was thinking about this very idea of human potential and how there are, you know, it's clear that humanity is domesticated. <laughs> Whenever the cops get called on a couple, it's domestic violence, you know? So there are other creatures that have been domesticated, like for example, pigs and pigs have a lot of physiological similarities to humans. I'm not pushing like an evolutionary worldview or anything, but you know, there's some, similarities in those bodily systems. And when pigs are let loose, like the very same generation of pigs that were domesticated in, in slavery, they get out into the wild, they like morph into wild boars, their hair gets all grown out, they start growing big tusks, the same pig. And a few generations later, they've totally transformed into something different. And I was talking about this idea in context of I was at a rock climbing gym. And my buddy was like, have you heard of the girl who, I don't know this story, so this is totally anecdotal. I couldn't maybe direct you to look it up, but <laughs> he was telling me this story about some girl who, her family lived in Africa, but they're American, and she had a pet monkey, and they moved back to the U.S. with the monkey. The monkey and her were best friends. She was like 10 or 11 or something. The monkey eventually dies as she's about to enter puberty, and this girl like developed in puberty this crazy long reach, like her arms got longer than what normal wingspan would be for a human, especially for you know, a little girl. And they put her in climbing competitions. That's how I was talking about this because I was rock climbing at the time. And she was wiping the floor with like years of training champions pretty quick into trying it out just because her bot. Oh, the other thing was her thumbs developed this like double hinge action 
that is almost like double jointed beyond what humans normally can express with their thumbs. So that's in one lifetime, that big of a physiological change. And it was because of the imprint in her energy field, I guess, of this beloved other monkey. Yeah. Just being near it. Just. And loving it and caring about it and being right. super focused on it. And it's like, it became a part of her <laughs> and she went that's, full monkey. That's crazy. Yeah. That's so what, crazy. what could we do if we had the limiters, if we took the limiters off ourselves, first right. of all? Oh, dude, I think we are capable of flight. Like, I, I, wouldn't, I mean, there are so many stories of like levitating yogis and yep. master Taoist wizards that can leap hundreds of feet in one bound. And yeah, one I, thing I, I was it. I was thinking about the other day because uh, my brain's just a really weird place all the time. Um, I was like, you know, if if we live on an electromagnet and we're part of that energy field, an electromagnet has to spin in order to have its energy. Right. And then there's, there's certain cartoons and things that um, in order for the person, the, the character to fly or have their magic, they have to spin. Uh, my son watched a show called uh, Ninjago and Ninjago, they spin to get their power. And so the I was like, dervishes. yeah, I was like, maybe we have to be able to like spin really fast. And then we just like, just, like it, it's, like stores up a bunch of energy and then we can take off and do something. It's like just sucking in that energy into you when you spin. It's almost like the technique might not even matter in a sense because why, why I say that is just because there are stories of like inventors that create all things that have capabilities beyond what you think the hardware was capable of. A lot of it having to do with electricity and maybe almost like telepathy level powers and other people try to get these devices, healing, uh, healing technology, things like this to work after the inventor is gone. And it doesn't work without the guy who made it. So in, a, in some sense, it could be like, and I, I think this is the case. I think we use technology as a way of expressing powers that we innately have, but don't believe that we actually have without the technology. And in some cases, I don't think that's wholly bad. Like whenever we take on a relationship with a tool like a paintbrush and we have hours and hours of experience with it psychologically it actually becomes embedded in our energetic blueprint it becomes an extension of your body even though it doesn't have nerve endings but you can feel where the paintbrush is or whatever the case may be so i think that we're really on the cusp of thing like x-men level weirdness because we've unlocked clearly some kind of milestone in the sky clock where we're now able to have long distance face-to-face telepathy conversations on these screens, but technology being really in the hands of the controllers, a plagiarization of our natural abilities means at some point there will be a requirement to put the tools down. And isn't it more convenient in a, for life or, or more pleasurable for life to have surprise in it in the sense that like, maybe you're looking for a friend, you want to see a certain person and instead of texting them and invading their bubble space with this notification and EMF pulse in their back pocket, instead you just set the intention and trust the magic and then they show up and that, and they might not even know why they showed up. That, that is like the ultimate more fun version of it where the same thing can be accomplished, but without this invasive thing. And I, you know, I have experience with plenty of that type of synchronicity and generating it on the fly, but it's way stronger when 
tribe is all together in a group, like a large event or a gathering where the like-minded good intentions create that intoxication of fellowship. And it starts to, things start to blur into almost a psychedelic liminal space, even if you're not on something to have that happen. And the energy fields are all interwoven together. That's when you can create this like human internet, but we're all spread out and separated, you know, six feet apart, six feet apart. Our houses are these <laughs> uh, dirty electricity, sorrowful angled rectangular uh, things that, you know, that where we pretend we're somewhere called inside, like there's such a thing as different between inside and outside on, on earth. <laughs> it's not really the case. It's just, you know, some sheetrock and maybe bricks. And we don't have this, this network that also would require our shared intention and belief in the possibility of being connected and the spiritual side of that. We've been quite, quite damaged by materialism. And that goes back to government as well, in the sense that government is a huge expression of materialism, whether you're on the side that you need to be cared for by the government, which would be like your Pepsis or Democrats, you know, they want a mommy nurturer state, do everything for them, nanny style, or you're on the Coke side, <laughs> team red, and you just want a strong big daddy government, stay out of my business, but kick someone's ass if I need them to. Either way, you're falling into this huge materialistic trap, which has been really skillfully programmed into people through pop culture and through history and through fear that on one side, <clears throat> excuse me, on one side, you need this protector because there's all this violence in the world and there's all these scary people and the boogeyman's everywhere and there's terrorists, son. What about the terrorists, you know? But I mean, on the spiritual worldview, whenever you can transcend the material worldview, you realize you only are going to experience that level of violence if it is reflecting something inside of you that needs to be experienced. And also, we have no way of knowing because how can you test for this? How can you do the experiment? Because we're moving out of materialism. But we have no way of knowing that maybe it's impossible to get murdered randomly by a stranger without believing in murderers and believing in scary boogeymen and being fearful of that. And opening the door to it in your mind and accepting it as a possibility. I'm not saying that you have perfect spiritual invincibility if you're kumbaya enough, but I do think that the collective field has been poisoned with this program of the animalistic bestial nature of our fellow men and women when that's not really who we are at all. And on the other side of the equation, needing the nurturer, needing the, not, not really nurturer, but like the shadow of the nurturer, you know, the nanny state, the welfare thing, same deal, because it stems out of the belief that there's scarcity and that, you know, I could starve out here, or if I didn't get this paycheck or get this welfare check that how am I going to eat today? That's not how humans used to do it. Humans used to stroll through, <laughs> explore the fractal of nature. And when, what, when they needed something, what they needed would be ready, abundant, and at hand. And it's like that now. But what cuts us off from it is thinking the only method to access that abundance are the green paper slips or the numbers on the screen as they are now. But that's not really how it is. And you can do that experiment way more safely than, you know, trying to see if murder is a, a psyop. <laughs> right. Well, the, these things have also been cultivated by the rulers of this realm. Like, like if murder is prevalent, it's not a natural state of humans. That's a like, good way of putting it. You know, we are not at our natural state. Like I, <clears throat> I was asked recently, uh, do I think that all humans are innately good? 
And I said, in our natural state, yes, but we aren't in that state now. So no, like we have been perverted and distorted so greatly from what we're supposed to be that we are these basically violent shit throwing monkeys that don't know how to act in society. And so they've made us that way so they can justify their existence. Right. Like, because yeah, man, I mean, they dangle us in the present moment between the history of brutal animalistic ancestors. Not true, by the way. <laughs> right. I mean, not, uh, not a hundred percent true anyway, definitely not even the majority. I'm sure they dangle us between that, like bestial backstory and then the promise of a utopian future. Right. right. <laughs> and that's the, they're just like pulling us apart at the seams with those two things. Like we, you know, things always get better though. We're in this nonstop progressive, uh, era of continual improvement and change when that is not how nature works at all. <laughs> it's cyclical. <laughs> There's no way that this is the pinnacle of human development at any, at any rate, like that just couldn't be. No, you could look at ancient archeology span and our architecture. I mean, and, and see that we were far more advanced than we are now. Like, I, th I think we're potentially the dumbest we've ever been. Uh, oh, humans. Well, you know, the upside is we're probably not the dumbest we've ever been either. I don't know, man. <laughs> on a long enough, on an infinite timeline, you know, probably not. I don't know, man. We are at an incredibly stupid period of time where people don't know health. how to. It's really health. We don't know how to take care of ourselves. We don't know how to do anything. We don't know how to provide for ourselves. You know, humans are drooling little babies that have no skill and need constant care. Like I know, and, man, and I that's got been I'm done three years <laughs> old and I just learned how to use a chainsaw for the first time over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I, I cleaned. So, okay. We went out to my buddy, snake Jones. He's famous in live chats on the internet and he's yeah, always yeah. all the good stuff. Awesome dude. And he's got, we live in the same state and he's got a homestead, 19 feathers farm. He's also got a cool telegram channel for that. He was on my most recent vibrant episode, the live stream I do on Wednesdays. And I went out there and some other awesome friends from our podcast world showed up and I got to clean a chicken coop, <laughs> dump out rabbit urine. <laughs> we didn't dump it. Actually, he was like going to convert it into something cool, like gunpowder, which is awesome. He taught me how to use a chainsaw the right way. Never used one of those before. We spent the whole weekend, like just enjoying the, the benefits of being somewhere where there's no cell phone signal available at all. And uh, plenty of land in all directions to walk freely in and animals and dogs just doing their thing in all corners and going on awesome hikes and seeing beaver creeks. And I don't know, man, I could just go on and on. It was beautiful. And I think that is big time the direction that things need to go for this genre of infotainment that we're a part of. We really do need to lead by example, do what we can to get off the screens, do what we can to reclaim those skills that were not very far back where they lost it isn't too late you know no man just we back can... to the world war ii generation they were doing victory gardens and things like that i think the pressures that society is putting on us right now just like anything they're ultimately for the good because i see more people than ever getting interested in biodynamic agriculture and starting food forests and at the very least a garden of their own and that you know, what would fix the problems in the world quicker than if there is enough food 
or if everybody quit their bullshit jobs that served very little purpose or negative purpose in the world. Right. I would start growing food. That would change <laughs> I, things really fast. Said, I think most people have a negative impact on the world. Most of the jobs shouldn't exist. Most jobs shouldn't exist. You know, we, we are supposed to be one with nature. We're supposed to be providing for ourselves, eating things that grow out of the ground or eat the shit that grows out of the ground. You know, um, I'm working my way to a homestead hopefully soon. Uh, we have chickens. We got a ton of chickens. That's what we do here. So um, we're at least going one step at a time. Chickens was the easiest way to go to get to food security. And it's a high protein food security. And uh, dude, it's it's the best thing in the world, man. I wish I would have started a lot sooner. That's beautiful. Yeah, I wouldn't even mind. I've, I've looked at property. Uh, maybe I don't know exactly where Snake lives, but I've looked in his area um, and your area, I suppose. Uh, because dude, that area is pretty lit. Dude, it's badass, dude. It's There's badass. A lot of open land. Land is cheap as shit. Like, yep. for, and it's, uh, you know, you never, I never would have thought in my younger years that I would be stoked now that I live in the Bible Belt. But after the cooties thing, that was like, this ended up being one of the best places on earth to be, actually, yeah. in terms of people not being super terrified yep. or aggro. I mean, yeah, they're like rah rah orange man, most of them, but. Still better, you know. It's a good cop, bad cop thing. I, I don't trust anything from the actors that we call politicians, but right. I do know, like, <laughs> at the very least, if I had to put my tent up with one group or the other, I would hang out with the Cokes over the Pepsis. To be fair, right? I don't want to hang out with the people that think that if I say a certain word, I should die, or if I happen to make a funny joke that they want to laugh at too. They're going to call me a bigot or a racist. I'm just like, you know what? Yeah, no, thanks. I'll hang out with the guys that want to blow shit up and shoot guns. Yeah. <laughs> the guy, anyway. They're the most of them, you know, have deep roots in agriculture. Their grandparents were farmers. They're, they hunt and, you know, they do a lot of the stuff. Their political ideology is whack, but. You know, you can change it's, that pretty it's easily. Only, usually it's only whack so far as they've ingested the Q, the Q Kool-Aid. Right. Kool <laughs> well, even even Republicans before Trump came along were still very much drinking the Republican. We need to protect this land with war overseas. We're defending our freedom over there and, you know, back the blue, like yeah. all that silly nonsense bullshit. They're you know, coming around. A lot of them, I think, are coming around. I think they More, are, but they're not so diehard. Because you see with the way that it's right, left, right, left, you know, the way these puppets change place in the office, that it's all the same neocon charade. Like, there really isn't a difference between the two wings of the shitbird. Well, no, there's never any any slowing or delay of the progress of government's expansion. Like, it always just keeps marching on. Like yeah, if the Republicans were good, it takes it. yeah. If the Republicans were the good guys, you would see this progression of totalitarianism and authoritarianism kind of stop or slow down when they're in power. But it 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 goes just as fast with them as it does with the Democrats. Oh yeah, like to think that they're the good guys is ridiculous. Like, yeah, I, I just don't understand it anymore. Where we're in this place where people. We're like freaking goldfish, dude. Like we we so easily forget our past, you know, and the atrocities of it. 
don't have roots to connect to that part. Right. Most people are cut off at the, the, from the knees up to their neck energetically. And we've, we've gotten to be a society where we don't appreciate the older generation. We put them in homes, you know, they don't come live with people, you know, so you don't have these multi-generational houses where grandparents are talking to children and telling stories and passing on real history. Cause that's how right. it, that's how history is passed down. Not in Rockefeller controlled, you know, books. Now we're Actually, at the point where the grandparents of this current age are pretty much their history came from a TV now. Right. I think it's all Mandela effect. Like anything Ooh, you even, one. I think anything you're, you're hearing from anybody over the age of 70, a lot of it is going to be fabricated memories. Yeah. I mean, now that we're on to the Mandela effect, which I was like, I was sketchy on, uh, but recently, recently I became more, I don't want to say believer, but I'm like, there's something up. There's something up. I can't ignore it <laughs> because for a while I thought, you know, all of the things that this has to do with tend to relate to fiction of some kind or entertainment. And that's still largely true, but uh, the Bible's versus changing some of the changes on the world map, geography changes, it was too much for me. It pushed me over the edge. Some, <laughs> some of the anatomical changes, uh, I, I looked into it more closely. I'm going to do more research, but that is quite an interesting question because it goes back to, to the point I was trying to make about the past being mutable. And what I think with Mandela effect is that like anything else, Anything else, the the dark side, if you will, they want to scare you and make you think they hold all the cards and they have all the power. But really, they're scavengers with no creative spark and no power at all because they're disconnected from source, which is the only power that exists in the cosmos. So their best bet is to have you harvest source energy and consent to giving it to them in some way, aka slavery. But with the Mandela effect, which I guess could have been going on forever, uh, I don't attribute it to CERN. And we're only really able to be aware of it because of the age of mass media, mass collective memory of things that we all know about that are the same. And, you know, the internet and the ability to point out the differences. Like I watched Star Wars 700 times, at least when I was a little kid and C-3PO was all gold. He did not have a silver leg. Right. (laughs) Now he does. But what I mean about this, like wanting to, they want to take the, 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 they, right. The, they, they want to take, ownership of every little scrap of belief and real estate in your mind that constitutes power that they have that you don't. So we get hit with these theories, like, which I think is coming from the, they completely. And we spread it around because it's so like, Whoa, dude, that is, that's so cool. Or, or that's so, that's so weird, man. And we're like having these stoner conversations about CERN. Like, what are they doing at CERN, man? What's up with their Baphomet rituals? Why is Shiva out there? They give us plenty of conversational fodder. I'm guilty of it too, to like just get really invested in the what are they up to, the they. But I think it's mostly theatrics, and that's been the main tool of the the fallen priest class since they, you know, lost track of their original mission, which was just to help us stay aligned with nature by giving us mythology and astrology and things like that. And Mandela effect, right? If we are these beings that completely generate the consensus reality through our perception, belief, intention, as it can be proven to oneself in your individual life, then absolutely the past is going to change based on how we're looking at it. 
because that faculty is there, I sometimes think that there are just spiritual forces within us and allied with us that are a part of us because really all, all is self. It's all the same life force energy, just in different vessels that I think is sort of like in this cosmic wiggle, cosmic giggle way, like nudge, nudge, wink, wink, because uh, spirit has always got a great sense of humor or likes to prank. <laughs> They're giving, it's giving us, we're giving ourselves all these accelerated clues that, that reality isn't concrete and material the way that we think it is because of the localization of our consciousness into just a few layers of our multi-layered energetic body. So we get all these Mandela effects. They're accelerating because we're looking at them more, which is makes perfect sense because when you look for something, you start to see more of it. So the more of us that will look at Mandela effect, I'm, I'm starting to see the value in it because it will give even more oomph to the consensus reality breaking down the, those fourth wall barriers of, of fictional materialism that we could, we, I mean, we, we could potentially not only turn the earth into a paradise right now in the present moment, but in a sense, we become our, our future selves become our ancestors because at that moment that we collapse the waveform duality and reclaim our position in the center of all things, then we, <laughs> Then the past becomes, we can see the paradise that was in the past, and it's no longer paradise lost because we're looking at the same place we've always been, but with new eyes. And that also changes the way the future is going to go. But really, we can maybe get into that perpetual flow state of endless positive synchronicity by more of us noticing that effect we can have on seemingly completely unchangeable concrete things in the outside world consensus reality. I wonder if there's anyone that's done experiments to try to cause a Mandela effect. I think that should be the next move for researchers. Well, what I was just thinking is what if we did? Like, what if somebody's like, you know, C-3PO had a silver leg and you're like, no, he didn't. But then it's already in your head. So when you look back to see it, you see that instead of the solid gold one. And you're like, wait a minute. What if you create, create Mandela effects yourself? It's all in your mind. Everything's in the mind. Yeah. Right. It's all, all in your mind, mental. right? That's why it's all projection. Such a, such a ridiculous thing. Like <laughs> we already have one world government, even though there's a push <laughs> to externally do that because the all is mind. And so even the concept of government, gubernmente, control mind, it's talking about controlling the all. It's literally the attempt to uh, lasso God <laughs> and force force the to become the ruler in the creator stead in a sense. And it's really, it's really way more insidious than people think it's in terms of what it represents as our, in our fallen state of, of uh, externalizing what should be internal, most particularly our responsibility for everything. For everything. That's, I mean, that's what it's all about, right? It's about shaking off all responsibility. That's, that's how government exists. No, no, no. You don't have to worry about that. We got it. You don't have to save for retirement. We got that. You know, you don't have to protect yourself. We got that. But you don't realize what you're giving up in return. Like you're giving not, up family, really. Well, you're, because you're giving up individuals. You would you're giving up family, you're giving up responsibility, accountability, individualism, you're giving up all freedom. You give up everything. And and they don't tell you that when they're doing. It's just like, no, no, we got it. We got we got cops. We got military. We got you. We got you know, government programs if you need it. So you're cool. 
it's fine. We got we got daycare and schools, <laughs> and and then everybody's just like, oh, okay. So I don't have to worry about anything. Like it goes back to that idea of convenience. Like it's all been done. Just it's more convenient. And uh, I don't think it is. I think it's all it's not. just that's a, a big part of the all, lie. It's all just this veil that's been pulled over our eyes. You know, this illusion. The classic corporate trick is to steal yep. the real and sell you back a worse version of it, a fake right. version. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, it's very Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> like, like they're taking the real one. They're doing this this shell game. Like, nope, it's not over here. Oh, look at this fake one. No, it's pretty. It looks it looks right. Right. It's fine. I'm sure nobody will care. Just go down. Just it's fine. Yeah, it makes me think of how in certain things you can find that like the darker cultists say to each other is that they refer to often they refer to the masses of people as the dead. And that's because people have become identified with fictional identities, you know, your government social security card granted identity and fiction is inherently not alive. Life is synonymous with existence and reality and truth and Fiction, therefore, would have to be analogous analogous to dead or death, not real. And even realizing that 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 correlation exists, you can start to break the chains of fear of death and realize you didn't have a beginning or an end. And whatever whatever happens, you will continue to experience existence because existence is all that exists. Right. (laughs) There's There's nothing but existence. So, like, this... Uh, you know, black endless black void of nothingness after you die that atheism would push or whatever. It is complete nonsense from just a very basic logical position that how can because existence cannot be canceled out by non-existence. Right, right. Well, it's, you know, these atheists that that think that you just die and then there's nothing. Well, they're also the people that are like that will say stupid shit like trust the science. Well, the science says energy cannot be created nor destroyed, and we are energy. Like, and so all that we do when we die in this in this shell is just transition to a different whatever. Who knows what it is? Do we go to a different realm? Are we reincarnated here? Is our energy just, does it go to a different uh, vibration level or what? But we just, we just cease like to be octaves. here. Of course, I don't know for sure, but I think of it like octaves in that okay. yeah, yeah. we're at a level of really death is a division when you think about it. When you die, to a die is, what is a die? It's a, a mold that something is cast in. It is, a, so it is like a shell in that sense. Also, a die is six-sided cube that you throw, roll the dice. But to die and divide from this level could go multiple ways. I think like source is this disco ball of refracted light from a single clear origin and the layers of our existence the closer we get to that source the more energy that there is available to us the fewer divisions there are the more everything becomes everything like as you go on a spiritual path and start to discover the correspondence of one element in the universe to another that color corresponds to a vibration, to a planet, to a to an organ, to a tree, and on and on it goes. You're starting to exist. You're starting to localize your consciousness on a wider spectrum of your octaves of existence that goes 
further and further until you reach the undivided, the supreme being. Supreme being, not like a character, you know, but being is a verb. It is an eternal self-existing continuation of existence. <laughs> no beginning, no end. And so I think, I mean, I don't know. I haven't done it in my memory, but I would think when you left this body, when you die, really, you're probably just transitioning to a different level of octave. So maybe at the point where like people have hypnotic regressions and they're talking about this in-between life state and they're aware of multiple incarnations that they've had and they're considering which one to do next. Maybe they can see all that because they're at a higher level of octave or a different octave where source is divided into fewer beings. You know, maybe those archetypes that we repeatedly see in the septenary or even the Ennead, seven or the nine, depending on the type of pantheons you look at, maybe all that is just a, an expression of the idea I'm saying here that at a level closer to source, maybe these gods that we consider uh, that act through us and as archetypes, if you want to talk about it psychologically instead of mythically, that they're, these archetypes are source divided into fewer fractals or fractions, right? And then at this level, where we conceive of you know, 8 billion humans or whatever they tell us there are, which is probably also not accurate, <laughs> uh, we're just really divided. But that doesn't mean we can't exist at this level of the fractal with, without the empowerment of the higher octaves. In fact, you can localize across multiple octaves of the spectrum at once. So there's no ascension needed out of here or away from here. This isn't a prison or a cage or some place to escape or some kind of punishment. It's simply that we forgot we were dreaming this thing, you know, and we've lost track of the technology. Technology means art, the art of existing, the art of existence. And that's okay too, because that's probably part of the fun for the all-knowing self-existing life force energy of the Supreme Being to, you know, go through this sine wave pattern of forgetting and remembering and forgetting and remembering. But the sweet spot is kind of right in between where we're, we're there. <laughs> we're so close to this wider expression of the octaves, really. I mean, we're t dipping our toes in it just to talk about it right now. And this is the most fun place to be because potential becomes widely unlimited. And then, you know, we aren't locked into like, we know for sure this is what it is because that also is a limiter. When you try to put a definition, put source in a box, you can't do it. You're going into the realm of fiction. You're trying to name the nameless, the ineffable, right? So the real, like we should appreciate the groove we're in where we know that we're more and we know that our potential is infinite but we also don't know everything. It's actually a beautiful thing to be there. Well, we don't know how to access it, right? Like we've, we've had it hidden. We've had it stunted in our minds, you know, like the old, the old idea that we only use 10% of our brains, whatever. Um, I think that could be, there's, there could be something there that's, that's legitimate where, if we have access to fire our entire brain at the same time and able to access all of it at once, then we, that's when we, we reach these higher abilities or higher vibrations and we, you know, either transcend or ascend to wherever, who knows, 
Uh, yeah, I don't I don't buy I don't, the ascending or transcending thing, but I do expect that we could exist on a more places at once, if that makes sense. But right. I mean that's semantics I like as far say, as this, the word like, the, part of the materialist worldview warfare that's been done to us is to make us think like this is the physical world and then there's the spirit world. But let me tell you, bro. You're in the spirit world right now. Oh, of course. <laughs> this is the spirit uh, world. <laughs> oh, dude, and I can give you my. The, I want to. I want to riff on that brain thing, like using ten percent of your brain idea. Uh, in my experience, in working with people's aura, as kind of you know a technician of sorts, working with sound to balance things in people's aura and bring stuck energy, stagnant energy, back to circulation with the whole. I would say that that as a metaphor is good the 10% of the brain, but that our consciousness is not generated by the brain, which we know. Well, a lot of us would say we know. Neuroscientists sure as heck don't know what generates consciousness. <laughs> they're far from understanding it because of the materialist I ideal that they're stuck in. But like memory is, is our field. It's this flowing energy within and around us. That's where our memory lives and our consciousness lives. It's spread out. It's distributed. We've only got this this is part of the whole idea of being localized in only one part of ourself because we are the image of the universe. We're fractal. So just like in our life with just our current experience of our current character that we are, we don't have a way to dip our toes into and touch wider spectrums of our existence and maybe parallel lives or higher self or the soul or any of these words that we put on it. Our bodies, our experience in those bodies is like a fractal microcosm of that very issue of disconnection for most people. Like when I do energy work for most people, when I said earlier, people are cut off at the knees, but all the way up to the neck. What I mean by that is most people's energy in their physical chakras from the root up to the heart, at least two to four of those tend to be so off balance where the majority of their energy is off to the side or in the front or behind where they're pushing it away for themselves because they are trying to protect themselves unconsciously from whatever feeling it is that they don't want to feel because to bring that energy back, it has to be felt. And when it's off balance to the side, like maybe your heart chakra energy is off to the left, um, really far. You could be carrying around with you the traumatic memory of something that gave you a lot of grief and sorrow. And that's the flavor of energy in the biofield in that spot. There's anatomy to it, actually. It's really cool. And as we bring that back in, bring it back to the middle, to do that, we have to feel it first or become cognizant of it. That's how we catch it and click it and drag it back to the source. But after that point, it just becomes clear energy. It doesn't need to have a flavor attached to it. It doesn't, like, we, in we integrate it. And we can activate all the way up this channel and become more localized in all parts of our body, which gives us a type of intelligence that we don't have when we're just a, a floating head, when we're living just in the brain, in the upper chakras, like has been the case for humanity for probably quite a long time due to the way religion specifically has demonized the body and feelings and all this stuff. So when we, when we reintegrate that energy, we can communicate with the body on a whole new level. We can become very clear about like, is this good for me? Is it not good for me? Is it what I want? Or do I not want that? Because those type of questions really plague even about simple things. They really plague the average man in this day and age. 
you notice that alongside a, a huge lack of creativity and imagination in people, that runs parallel with indecisiveness, which leads to things like government. Just pick for me, you know? So becoming an artist is as simple and an artist of your life, your life being your greatest masterpiece, is really as simple as taking responsibility for your choices. And that's a great mechanism to begin to like pay extreme attention to your indecisiveness. Or if you want to actually start something like painting, reframe the way you look at it as instead of, I don't know what to do. Think like an artist, which is, well, I guess I'll just do this next and try, try stuff, you know, but make decisions for yourself. Don't be afraid of doing it wrong. Do it your way. That's actually the way to express your uniqueness, which is what you're here for on all levels. So that was a pretty big rant. I don't know where we want to go from there. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I tell my son all the time, he's 10 and I tell him like, he'll, we're trying to get him to do creative writing and just like let his brain go. And he's like, well, I don't, I don't know what to write. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, just start writing. Just put your pen to your paper and just start writing words and see what comes out. Just, just give it a shot. Just take it, take an empty page and fill it with words. I guarantee you'll get to the bottom. You're probably not going to remember much of what you wrote, but it'll make sense. Like, you know, I've had those, those times where you go to do something and you don't know what to do and you just start doing it. And then the next thing you know, you have a painting or a story or yeah, man, it's fucking rad. Like it's rare that I've, I haven't been in that, that headspace in a while because I'm a little focused on some external things that I'd like to be more in my control and I'm trying to get more in my control, but it really separates you. Like it just destroys your energy when, when these things, when these things come in, it's hard to get it back. Um, yeah, I, I recommend to people a daily practice of creativity in some form, because even what we tend to do to ourselves that cuts us off from our from that type of flow state from our imagination portal is we think, uh, I can't start, you know, we, we get so ambitious, right? Like, oh, I really want to make this thing. And what that thing is, is in comparison or relation to something else, you know, someone else did. But it's really about the journey rather than the destination, if you will. What is beneficial about creativity is activating and engaging the flow state itself. So a really good way to do that in a manageable way is to whatever thing you want to manifest into the world creatively, or even if you don't have a specific purpose behind it, give yourself a practice of like 10, 15, 20 minutes a day, something like that. Just a once a day sit down, even if like, maybe don't even put a timer on it. It actually really, this can apply to everything, even like exercise, put the bar so ridiculously low for you to feel like you succeeded that practically just showing up will give you the moral victory, the mental victory <laughs> and see how that changes and transforms your thinking and your ability to access imagination. Because a big part of the, of a creative block is just that, you know, you're just, you, you don't do it enough. And even with a tiny practice, like 15 minutes a day, this is really good for meditation too. The effects are cumulative just because we think that we need to have the finished product perfect and pulled out in one like stream of consciousness, a uh, train of manic staying up all night, working on your, you know, college term paper 
at the last minute till it's done. The real magic is in daily practice because you get you give yourself the opportunity for your brain or your your mind your your psyche to percolate around on that on that energy of flow and you'll find that you have ideas more readily and quickly and the ideas are coming to you throughout the day even when you're not in your 15 minute daily practice and you get excited to come back to it and 15 minutes a day for a couple months on the same thing that will add up to a hell of a lot more than never started <laughs> a hell of a lot more always yeah i mean i've you never finish a project you don't start so um you know, a lot of my just, art takes me like a year <laughs> to finish one picture because I do that exact thing and I don't really yeah. get to it every day, but you know, that's sort of the goal. My last painting, it took me, God, it may have taken me six months to a year to finish it. And when I got done with it, I was like, holy shit, would you look at that? That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Now there's something, an, an actual real world artifact that is the container for your psychic energy and your intent. You yeah. Know, our, our, they say it all the time attention is your spiritual currency or something like that energy flows where attention is directed 100% true so most of us are using our off time which the, just think about that word you know like this is my off time I'm off work this is my off time i you know i'm a little off right now <laughs> just spending right. that off time doing stuff that's way off like you know your cuties flicks and whatever uh see cable news cnn entertainments of all types which are a vacuum cleaner sucking up all that attention and it's going somewhere it's going towards the creation of a concrete material world that is difficult to bend and seemingly immutable because there are so many minds so many souls focusing in their attention on that exact same worldview alongside of you and you're co-creating just like a mandela effect the exact condition of humanity right now as you believe it to be when even <laughs> you know it's dangerous i think i think it's dangerous to get too into fiction as someone that loves marvel and comic books and have, has always like the further i go the more i realize that the further i go in life the more i realize that you really need to if you're going to engage those things even do that creatively as in keeping yourself open in symbolic literacy i think that's a great form of psychic self-defense because if you're taking in the fiction and you're just passively hypnotically taking it in, you really are kind of contributing to brick by brick, another brick in the wall, making that worldview. And worldview warfare is the only kind there is, really. Because there wouldn't be anyone fighting physically in wars if they hadn't been inflicted with a worldview that told them they needed to do that. Right. That, that was the right or good thing to do. So if you take in these things, even if you want to be entertained by them, from the perspective of seeking symbolic literacy and studying it and getting behind it. Like, what's the intent behind this? What does all this mean? I think that gives you, I think that nullifies the worldview warfare in a way. If you know, like, okay, this is definitely not what I want, but let's see what they're trying to do to manipulate people with this particular plot line or symbolism or whatever. And that's actually a more fun way to enjoy the fiction anyway, than just passively taking it in. Dude. When when we watch shows and movies and stuff, we are always looking for the symbolism. I've ruined my wife. She's yeah. like, damn it. She's like, I can't watch anything without seeing it now. Like, and I'm just like, it's everywhere. Isn't it? Confirmed. It's 
<laughs> nice little Isaac Weishaupt. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's in everything. I mean, she was listening to Taylor Swift one day and Taylor Swift saying something about Saturn and the moon. And I was like, and she was like, shit, <laughs> damn it. It's everywhere. It is one big everywhere. club and we ain't in and it. And we ain't in it. Like, and so uh, I like watching stuff because I, I tell everybody, I mean, the reason that my podcast is named what it's named is because they tell us everything. They hide everything right there. They hide all the truth, everything about the real world, this matrix, what's coming, what they're doing, everything. It's all right there in front of us. It's but right yo. there that uh, those other octaves i was talking about these other layers of ourself that it, we could localize into simultaneously it is just what you said it's hidden in plain sight it is no further away than your nose there's a really weird thing with human beings where uh what's right in front of us becomes invisible by its proximity and that's how close this transformed harmonized self-world that can collapse the wave particle duality and the the two pillars of right and wrong and not saying that we shouldn't have moral action. So be careful with that phrase, right and wrong. But what I mean is like the morality imposed by authority where you're doing what you're told is right rather than being led by what you know is right, conscience, which is consciousness. That expanded self is right in front of our nose, hidden in plain sight, <laughs> exactly the same way as the worldview warfare. In fact, a lot of what the worldview warfare is all about is keeping us distracted from what has always been right in front of our nose. Just think about your hypnagogic state sometime, you know, when you're in that few minutes before you wake up or you kind of lay down to take a nap and you don't fall asleep all the way, or maybe you meditate, better yet, I hope you do, <laughs> whoever you are listening. <laughs> the, the point in this hypnagogic state where I'm sure it's happened to all of us, you have these have some epiphany, you know, like, you're laying there, eyes closed, you're tripping balls on your own <laughs> neurochemistry and some kind of like grand unifying idea or concept or revelation strikes you. And it's so amazing and beautiful. And you're so deep in the thought, you don't even know that you're also laying in the bed, but you're not fully dreaming either. You're in the liminal space between awake and asleep. And you, you kind of like come to something startles you. And that entire thought bubble, that entire incredible epiphany moment it's just gone. Like this happened to me 30 minutes ago. It happens to me all the time. But I know it's there. I know that self-realization is there. And I think that it's good and beautiful that that liminal space doesn't follow us here, in a sense, that we get endless opportunities to repeat the joy of discovering our vastness, our infinity. I like that about it, actually. Right. Well, it goes back to what you said earlier, where um having unlimited thought, like, like not strangling yourself with the limitations that we're told. I mean, that's where we're supposed to be at all times. It's just this limitless thought process and which, which makes our abilities and what we can do and what we want and everything also limitless. I mean, we could have this limitless existence if, if we just realized what we are. And the thing too about that is when we say limitless existence and the potential for that, the paradox is that we get there by becoming the, the limiters ourself instead of being you know, governed externally, be self-governed. There's a spiritual law, a natural law that 
the more internal anarchy you have, the less able to you are to control your thoughts, behaviors, and actions, the more external tyranny you experience from controllers forcing you to do this or that, or you, so you think. And in the inverse, the more self-governing we are, the less any external tyranny can even exist, regardless of how it is treating other people. You know, my buddy, my buddy Snake Jones, who I mentioned on his farmstead, he's living self-governed. You know, he's growing his own food. He's out away from all the false authority. He's his own, he's his own law out there, right? And he makes those choices morally. And that's part of being self-governed. It doesn't mean that you could do just whatever you want, but I control myself and thus there's no external tyranny. If your idea of self-governing is exploiting other beings and violating their freedom, you will, that is not self-governing. You will experience the exact same tyrants limiting your freedom. But we have to get back to the truth of that. It wouldn't matter what fictional idea of a government existed if we had no need from you know, no need of it if we we're able to be the limiters ourselves by setting boundaries between ourselves and the temptation for the goods and services that replace our innate powers and abilities which i'm not you know i'm not i'm in a house right now i'm talking to you on a computer <laughs> but there's it's a it's a spectrum right like i think we can even interface with the babylon and have uh, more or less like complete freedom from tyranny, even if all around us people are being tyrannized because it's an inside job. Freedom, I mean. Right. You're as, you're as free as you act, right? So I don't, I don't bow to a lot of the tyranny shit. I do self-govern. Like I, I'm, I don't require their, their mind games and their control tactics to be able to live a peaceful, you know, coexistence with everybody else. Like it's, I'm, the idea that we would be these brutal things without this, like if we were left to our own devices, we wouldn't be able to do that is such an insane thought because Love if you warfare, well, and it, it, here's, here's the conundrum in that thought. Well, we can't, it's a, to be simplified, there used to be like a meme or something about it. It said, we can't be trusted with peace. Like how can be, we, we be trusted with power. And it's like, that makes a lot of sense. Like, oh, we can't be trusted, so we need government, but the government is made up of the people that can't be trusted. Like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, that seems rife with freaking uh, conflicts of interest. I mean, wait, now we've given these untrustworthy people that can't be trusted with freedom, we've given a small group of them infinite power over the others? Like, Okay, if you think that's that's the most utopian idea that there is, I think, you know, I think, you know, the fact that the government could ever be this thing that it's been tasked to be is the most utopian idea because it just can't it can't exist. It's it's never going to like it is. It's bad from the word go because it takes away the the ability to self-govern and without a society of self-governed people. All you're going to have is corruption. Yeah. And it perpetuates itself by through language. It's only right. things like that and fiction only really exist through language. Because if you couldn't communicate the concept of this imaginary thing called government, then there would be no tendrils of it that could touch our existence right. <laughs> in, in truth. 
well, it's all the word magic stuff, right? Like if you, yeah, you can think speak about government as a into existence. Well, government that, are corporations and a corporation and, is a corpse orator. Yeah. It's, it's a death speaker. Yep. <laughs> I was going to get to that. Fiction. I had that thought earlier, but we kind of nice. rolled past it. Me so too. I didn't get to get it out. But yeah, corpse orator. Like it's, it's dead speak. That's what like these things matter. Like people don't understand how these words matter. And how when you speak things into existence, like that's why we live in this world, you know, it, it's to I forget who said it, but it's you get the government that you deserve. Well, it's that you get the government that you pretty much manifest. That's you know? exactly what I mean by that spiritual law of yep. inner self-governance, external anarchy versus mm -hmm. inner anarchy, external governance or tyranny. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh I'm just I'm all about I'm, the word magic. It's nonstop fun journey once you start opening up to whoa, dude. To, more, to all the multi-layered, multi-dimensional meanings in our words. It's a, there's a lot like that rabbit hole goes. Thank you, Jordan deep. Maxwell. Yeah, oh, that, hey, dude, he he brought a lot of that to the table. Yep, and there's there's so much to it. And when again, it's another thing when you start looking around, it's everywhere. I mean, corpse oration the super bowl the superb owl you oh, know yeah. like he, he goes it goes so deep entrance in trance yeah um, television tell television <laughs> well well it's a uh, television is also tele like future vision telly right. telly means future and it's vision so it's future vision also telly it has a connection to like teleos or teleology which is the 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 logos of meaning actually the the spiritual meaning or the authentic reason for things it's your teleology it's right. a part of your cosmology cosmology is like this is all this is what it is this is the structure teleology is the the why the meaning so television is definitely the meaning of a lot of people's existence unfortunately and right. at the same time giving them the meaning in their existence by you know what what do you learn from tv you learn that the world is a brutal animalistic violent place and you know sex is cheap and love is is war and all these different inversions and that's the that's the teleology of the television yep yeah broadcasting spelling you know all this stuff matters um and once you start breaking or at least recognizing those energies, then that's when you really start seeing everything kind of get lifted and you start yeah, actually like, uh, sifting through all the bullshit. Like the guy tank from the matrix who's sitting at the chair, the guy in the chair and the numbers symbols are scrolling down the screen. And he's like, that's blonde. That's brunette. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't even see the numbers anymore. Like, it's kind of that, but in reverse. Right. Know? And then, uh, uh, dude, I love the matrix because there's so much symbolism in that. And what I tell people, I said, when you think about this world that we live in, just remember there is no spoon. Yeah, buddy. This is what you make it, man. This is only going to be what you make it. So stop focusing on the fact that the spoon's in front of you. I would even change that and just say, you are the spoon. Just like the paintbrush becomes an extension of the the artist's body right yeah there is that too like you, you know get, i mean the spoon there's, there's is part of, of visionary art in painting that are to me way more impressive than bending a spoon with your mind <laughs> right 
Well, the idea of bending a spoon with your mind is the same as creating great art. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's manifesting into physical reality, what you have in your head. Um, and that can be through manipulation of that object just to bend it, or it can be to use that object as a tool to create something. You know, so, you know, we, we need to use the tools that we've been given to free ourselves from this prison we've been put in because I do, I do believe that this, we are in a prison of sort. Um, I think in the what sense that prison that we, is and who created it, our own, we're the guards of our own uh, limitations. In right. A way. That, that too. So we do live in a prison, even if it is of our own creation, you know? And so we have to break out of that prison now, whether you have to break out of it by physically removing yourself from whatever, you know, physical prison you're in, then that's what you have to division, do. Right. The prison mm-hmm. is division. The prison is a prism. The prism takes the white light of source and breaks it into the bars of yep. the seven colors. And in the cells of a prison, we're separated by walls, but in truth, we can all still hear and feel each other through those walls. That's why they're called cells. Yeah. Like, uh, (laughs) are you addicted to a cell phone or do you self own? You know, I like that. (laughs) Yeah. But this, this prison reality concept, I, I do think that I understand the spirit of it generally, but I also think it's um, dangerous as an idea because we create what we speak. Right. So, you know, not to disagree, or be contrary, but if we if we want to live in a different reality, it's helpful to see it differently. And I do get right. the idea of the prison of separation. But like I said earlier, like the the higher octaves, the the less divided, fewer manifestations of source, closer to the archetypal purity of being, that is right in front of our nose. Just like um, it's a pri- if it's a prison, the cells aren't really guarded by are, are not really impenetrable walls or or whatever it's more like one of those electric fences where you train the animal with this but, invisible barrier but then eventually you can just take it all apart and they won't cross that line we're exactly. like that yes you can cross Yo, the line anytime 100 percent. yeah it's like being in a prison cell but nobody's guarding the door and it's not locked but you just stay in there and you can't remember am i guarding this prisoner or am I the prisoner being guarded? Yeah. And you don't realize that you can just push the door and it'll open and you can go like, again, you're, you're as free as you act mentally and physically. Like I behave mentally and physically as a free person. I am not bound by any laws or governments or gods. I just, just I'm doing my existence. I'm doing my thing. I'm putting my energy where I think it belongs. And I'm trying to help other people, you know, and connect with other energies like this. The past two years has been the greatest thing in the world. I get to have conversations with people like you, and we actually get to connect our energy in a way that we haven't been able to do. Um, I hate technology. But magic. It, yeah, I hate technology, but it's at the same time, it's very beneficial um, because we've been able to see all of these other people doing similar things. And then, it, and then you can manifest it in reality. When you see someone else, it's like, oh, okay, it is possible. Sometimes you need to see that it's possible in order to be able to manifest it in your own reality. That podcasting saved me in that way because I started out really fixated on 
trying to figure out how all the people I was talking to and how, how are they doing the thing? How are you living your soul's purpose, but also vocationally succeeding in life and finding the support you need for it and, you know, doing the business side or whatever other aspects. And I was obsessed with like, how do I, how do I figure this out? What's the right question to ask? How do I get, how do I do what they're doing? And no one can actually teach you in a sense, but the the key is that when you make the leap of faith, unseen forces will come to your aid, but only you know when you're ready to make the leap. <laughs> some of us jump, some of us run screaming and jump off the cliff's edge <laughs> like crazy people and are daredevils and excited for the fall and the challenge. And others are like, how can I tiptoe my way to this line and kind of smoothly roll over it, right? And whatever your path is, go for it. Just take the time you need. Nature really operates in smooth transitions more than, you know, when something changes really fast, it can be cataclysmic. And so if you are wanting to radically change up your life, think about how the, think about your energy as the only real operating switch in the equation. And that if you can get your energy right, that's the only thing that you are or have any control over, then the other steps of the process of getting unstuck from what it is that you want to change in your life, the boundaries you want to set, the limiters that you want to consciously choose as opposed to being limited by them, then uh, get it, basically the, this kind of just happens on its own when you feel good, I guess. And you can follow, you can follow what is fun and feels good and make, make your life the work of art you want it to be by literally just... <laughs> doing what you feel doing what you feel like at all times like you said doing my thing it's hard yeah. to put into words but there, we all have we all have a purpose and a soul mission here that is so awesome and unique and amazing and don't beat yourself up wherever you're at in the process i guess is what i'm trying to get at it's okay mm -hmm. <laughs> wherever you're at is where you're supposed to be you know and be aware that if you that the big shifts that you try to make are only going to be as successful as how well you change yourself from within at the same time. But like I said, the other octaves are right in front of our nose at all times. And yeah, there's no, <laughs> there's no wrong way to learn to fly, I guess. Right. And, and when I tell my, my son, when I tell him that we have certain abilities, uh, you know, and we can do whatever we put our mind to, I said, you know, the difference between doing and trying self-doubt. I said, if you remove self-doubt, there's nothing you can't do. And, you know, that's, that's our main blocker is just self-doubt. And so yeah, I haven't, like, I thought I would, I, when I was a kid, I thought I would die if I ate a bean or broccoli or something. Right. And, and now I have no doubt that if food is enjoyable, but enjoyed by some people somewhere, then there's a high probability that I'll enjoy it. And I just try things. Yeah. That was that I had so much self-doubt about the possibility of eating anything other than takeout when I was young. <laughs> well, I've, I haven't limited my, my son. Um, and I, I, I don't plan on limiting any of my children, but he's the oldest one to, he's the one that can kind of understand things. Um, but I tell him like, dude, we have, we have abilities and I'm not, I'm never going to tell you that we can't do something. And he's like, I think I have wind powers. And I was like, dude, the only thing keeping you from airbending. from, I said, the only thing keeping you from having them is doubt. So as long as you don't doubt that you have them and you don't care what anybody else thinks and nobody can make you doubt yourself, then you have wind powers like and you can do things. Um, 
And so I just haven't, I haven't done anything. And he's, he's claimed to been able to do some stuff. And I'm like, all right, dude, just practice, keep doing it. Like, just keep doing it and keep doing it. And you'll, your ability will get stronger and you'll be able to control it more. Um, and I said, you know, and that applies to everything, all of yeah, your skills, not of just this. other people's doubt, you know, mm-hmm. you try to bring some fragile creation to the world and bringing that with it, the fear that it's not going to work in front of somebody else or that they're going to shoot it down. That can be a huge way of self-doubting, even though you're externalizing the self-doubt by needing some other to validate. So uh, I think that is awesome. And I totally believe that he could have wind powers. <laughs> Hell yeah. And I would like to get some wind powers myself. Yeah. I've, uh, I want actually firepower. I'm a fire sign. So yeah, be appropriate. I like if I could, if I could do, if I could have any power, I think, dude, I drive so much and I hate, I hate traveling, uh, at least, you know, in the way that we do it now, mostly in cities and stuff like teleportation would just be so awesome. It'd make my, my life so much better. If I well, could that just, one, there's definitely a record of uh, spiritual beings that are able to bilocate and teleport and stuff. That's not, yep. that's far from off the table, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. No, I think it's 100% possible. I think <laughs> teleportation has been done in our lifetime by people. Um, you know, you see crazy stuff. The only things they'll publicize are the ones that people can wrap their heads around, like when a mom lifts a car off of her kid or something like that. They'll put that in there because it's, it seems like fantasy, but people can also go, yeah, I could get it. Adrenaline's pumping and, you know, blah, 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 and you know, whatever. And they can kind of explain it away. You know, one thing that I encountered recently was, was reading about the South American shamanic traditions and Peruvian traditions specifically, I think. And they had a conception of chakras just like the East actually went root up to crown but beyond crown they conceived of an eighth and a ninth chakra and what was really fascinating because this is like to me i'm looking at it like the the layers of or octaves of other bodies energy bodies that we always have and are connected to but we're just not cognizant of which is what i mean by localized in we're not distributed across the whole network we're just like focused in on the one part but the ninth chakra which is the closest or maybe even a shared type of energy center, the closest to source, maybe it is just pure source and everybody shares that ninth chakra or something like that. One of the qualities of it was when it's activated is the ability to keep a secret. (laughs) So (laughs) there's something about this idea of like the public and the private, it applies to law dramatically and how at a certain point because of and I'm not disparaging ego, but because of how ego operates and because we can't violate the free will of another being, uh, it's everyone's free will choice to live in the worldview that they live within. And I think some higher level spiritual attainments like city level powers, like wind powers or teleportation by location, I think that they're that by nature, they must remain private because in a sense, the public is the fiction. If you look at it in a fractal sense, I mean, public is the realm of government and the realm of our straw man legal jurisdiction. It's the realm of words and and fiction and public school, publicly owned. Yeah. And in the spiritual sense, if really we are all one life force energy expressing itself in the dream of separation, 
then public is fiction. <laughs> There's really only self. So to some degree, these powers and cities of the, the harmonized across more octaves being would have to, and as they got closer to source and they're just like real superpowers, I think they actually have to be private by nature because they can only be accessed when we're probably, I assume we, we could only access them really powerfully when we're in full, no doubt, knowing of who we are right. as the all, as a supreme being. And I, th and I think that makes sense. Then that's what's the missing piece between us becoming X-Men. <laughs> and maybe they could be, because you can operate privately with other people, actually. It's in legal well, terms. It's, too, it's yeah. possible. So I think that the, the, the deal is that you wouldn't be able to force, force evolve or force, uh, force somebody else to reach that level of insight, especially if they do have a lot of fear and disharmony in their field. You put that level of current into a being connecting them up to source more, more heavily, then it just really shakes and vibrates those, those cracks and impurities. And it's a bad, can be a bad experience for them. And like people that have a, they blast open their chakras with a psychedelic and have kind of a bad trip. I mean, in fact, one of the times in my younger days when I did LSD, I actually experienced bilocation. Really? Like a, yeah, I was laying on the ground in one place and walking around talking to people in another place. And there were people in both places that had experience of me interacting with them. So hard to explain. I, I, it was I think very fuzzy and trippy, but it's I think thing. psychedelics, whether they are lab created like LSD or natural like mushrooms, I think they both kind of crack the dimensional barrier or whatever you want to call it. And let us let us kind of do that. Like, like our ego melts away and our, our physical limitations melt away and we're able to do things. Um, I've been able to, to hear people's thoughts on psychedelics Definitely. Where, where I've turned around, you know, multiple times been like, what did you just say? And they're like, I didn't say anything. I'm like, no, I just, I just heard you say this. And they're like, oh shit. Uh, that was, I, I didn't say it out loud, you yeah, know, the, and the I borders between you and them. We're blending and it was just the eye. Well, it gets you, you, you get to go into that other dimension, this into a pure spiritual state or whatever you want to call it. These are all just words for things that we don't really understand. <laughs> like, you know, a, a spirit is just something we don't understand. Um, and just same with like magic. Magic is just a word for things that we don't comprehend. And so we go into this other place that we normally um, are closed off to whether it's, you know, a personal blocker or some outside of thing that is blocking our ability to do it. And it breaks it down. And I, I think that's the main reason why psychedelics have, have been illegal forever is because they don't want people doing that stuff and realizing that, you know, there is something beyond this existence. Yeah, man. I, psychedelics too. I don't, I don't prescribe their use. I don't, Say so you shouldn't, but maybe as a thing to be aware with them to go back to call back to the Mandela effect. I really think that a strong psychedelic trip, you can wind up in a, a parallel life to the one you started. <laughs> I, cause I've come back and like old, old me is gone. I don't know where he went and now I'm this me. And that can go, that can go good or bad. Actually, a lot of times it's a trade off. You know, some things get better and other things get worse, but they, they are tools that can be used correctly. And with the awareness that 
I am instigating change and how can I guide this change through my intent rather than just fall off into party mode, which is hard to even achieve if you're fairly conscious and you do one of those things because you should be feeling everything. And that's a wide spectrum of of stuff. And uh, it's not necessarily a party. Yeah, I I, I don't. I, I do think people should do psychedelics, but I'm not the kind of guy that's just, like, I don't, there is a time and a place. Um, and some people aren't ready for them. They're not in that time and place yet. And if you don't, and you also, it's, it's, it's to like taking a spiritual journey. So if you don't have someone that's already done it to kind of lead you, that's when I think you can have some really bad trips because then you go into this unknown place and you don't, you know, it can be, it can be scary if you're not ready for it. I, I personally haven't had any bad trips, but I've experienced other people's bad trips um, and watched what has happened to them. And they just, they weren't in the right mind state. They weren't in the, the right physical state. You know, both of those things matter. Who you're around matters. Um, if you've got a lot of stress, like the natural psychedelics, um, like mushrooms, they are going to play off of whatever you have inside of you, whatever energy you're, you're exuding, it's going to take that. And so if you think bad thoughts while you're on shrooms, it's, they're going to manifest themselves. And so as long as you stay happy and you're around people and there's just love and good energy going around and you're never going to have a bad trip and you're yeah, only going to experience the exact same great thing happens things. when you're not on psychedelics, it's just at a slower rate. Right. So it's harder to notice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it is. It's just a facilitator. Right. Like psychedelics is just a facilitator for us to feel this thing that that we should naturally be able to achieve. Um, but I think it's it's good because then people can know that it exists. I mean, I I have mushrooms. I don't do them very often. I got a bag of my mushrooms in my drawer that I've had for like a year and a half. And I just I haven't yeah, really they, done they always them make because- themselves available to me. <laughs> I have rarely do them but like universe always puts that tool in my field somewhere it's kind of interesting it's like there's a spirit to it itself this bag that i had just kind of it, it came to me I, I hadn't done mushrooms in man probably over 10 years and then all of a sudden i was put in a position where i was given some and i had a really amazing trip with some friends and, and I, I was given some more and was like all right well, i'm gonna hold on to this and just kind of Whenever I feel kind of the need or I'm in the right mood, I'll take some. And I haven't or taken a break any glass in case of emergency moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or that, um, because I do think it can be used as for a lot of different things, not just, you know, people, people view drugs in the wrong way. They think people you and, and they're used in the wrong way, you know, they drugs can be used- is a talismanic word that really encompasses far more things than natural entheogenic plant medicine sure sure well anything can be a drug i was you know your drug can be shit anything your drug can be adrenaline your drug can be television your drug can be flossing your teeth too much you know anything can be kind of a have that kind of drug effect when you're chasing the dragon you get drugged by it and you drag on yep um, so maybe that's not even the right word for for natural psychedelics. Um, yeah, I mean there there's so many talismanic words like that. <laughs> that mm-hmm. That's part of the. I try to be. I'm, I'm trying to be better up about it. I don't. Oh yeah, I mean we all we all are in that place where we could 
correct each other all day because there's so many things to observe about the program of our operating system called English that, you know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I still endless. I, I still will accidentally say like this planet and I'll catch myself and I'm like, no, like this realm or this world, <laughs> like it's, it's not a planet. Yeah. <laughs> world is a good myself. example. Cause you were bringing up the whirling dervishes and is the world world is the world world with words? like i think our well that or we're just being we're being whirled around so we're very disoriented you know we're being whirled and when you're whirled when somebody grabs you and whirls you around it throws you off balance like it makes you unstable so that's shit i hadn't even thought about that one yet <laughs> you just you got me on that one <laughs> Yeah, well, it seems like a good place to play. I usually I, say realm. The world, world, W-H-I-R-L-E-D. That's a fun distinction. And I did a narration for an audiobook that I think people would really dig called Spirit World, like W-H-I-R-L-E-D. You can find the, it's a three-book series on Amazon by my friend Dylan Sicosio. And I did the third book, July's End. But you don't have to, you really don't have to read them in order. They build off of each other and they complement each other. But the third one's my favorite. It goes through alchemical principles, kind of a Falconelli vibe and teaches you the spiritual symbolism of color as it originally was before we totally lost track of it. And we just started slapping any color on anything without thinking twice about it. It goes into the Pythag Pythagorean concept of the Tectractus and the 10 and the, the math that the sort of mathematical mysticism that gives us our 22 master builder concept. And there's so much in there. Um, just like the hurt, like goes through astro theology. It's a huge, hugely useful book. Like one of the chapters is about Hercules as a, uh, the sun and his 12 labors being the signs of the Zodiac. There's a lot of good stuff like that in it. And hell yeah. Etymological breakdowns that will blow people's mind and generally just like a, Excellent book for dispelling hexes of all types that have come through language. Also, including the helio hex, the heliocentrism hex. Really, really awesome how he weaves, Dylan, the author, weaves together the bale, ball, <laughs> ball earth, bale, the yep. Moloch type god, and yep. all these. Holy really, shit. He just shows how, like, all these major gods and goddesses across cultures around the world are the sun they're all symbolic of the sun yep and collapses this daemon of many names all the identities it's had to hex and confuse and divide people along lines of religion and mythology collapses it all down into the one thing that it really is <laughs> priestcraft sorcery but that is describing nature which is actually empowering really really good book i recommend people check it out spirit world w-h-i-r-l-e-d July's end, I narrated it. It was hard <laughs> because there's a lot of Latin and Italian and Greek words and stuff. So check it out. Learn some learn some etymology. Send will, me a link and I'll put it in the show notes. Um, oh, for sure. And uh, for sure. we'll definitely do that. Let's uh, let's try to wrap this up with a pretty little bow, man. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on, dude. This has been I've had an awesome, fun, dude. awesome conversation, you. dude. We're going to have to do this again because I think there's a lot of directions we can go. Um, we're just we're just scratching the surface of of this awesome conversation. 
Um, and I like having people on repeatedly so we can continue conversations and you can, we can see journeys of how, how things progress, you know? And yeah. If there's a certain topic it. too, I kind of like putting together outlines and presentations. Sometimes I just sweet deep on one subject when I get to guest. it's fun for me as a host of my own show for so long to go be in the guest seat. Cause <laughs> I like to think I have a lot of listening experience to know what I like to hear. And it's so fun to create the type of podcast that I would want to listen to. And this was one of them. I appreciate it a lot. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. We can do, we can go down like a word magic rabbit hole next time we talk. I'd, I'd love anything I present of any subject is going to have word magic in it. I can't get away from that. It's so foundational. It, it's, it's, it's at the core. I mean, it's, it's literally everything we think and speak the logos. Yep. So why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Absolutely, my man. Everything I do is pretty much findable at innerversepodcast.com. There's a lot going on there. I do my weekly regular podcast, Innerverse, which is an hour for free. And the second hour goes on my Patreon and Rockfin. Would love it if you're already a Rockfin member to go check out my content. Because if you've subscribed for some other creator, then you could already listen to my extended episodes and they get always better in a second hour, just like this talk. I do a weekly live stream on Wednesday nights called vibe rant. And it's a really fun community oriented show. People can call in, put memes in our chat to have go on the screen. You know, that's a really fun grab bag of randomness with the intent of levity, but also, you know, mind blowing stuff comes out there too. So I got those two shows every week. I do occasionally like the uh, Oracle card group sessions where I'll do a live stream and, pull tarot cards and do I Ching stuff and talk about how it all connects. And that's a good thing to do. And people can also connect with me one-on-one -on -one to get Oracle card sessions, kind of like a spiritual guidance session where you can get in touch with what your higher self message is for you in this moment by the reflection in the cards and the things that we talk about during that. And I do sound healing actually. This is, we barely got into it, but <laughs> I talk about it in all kinds of other interviews. So I didn't want to necessarily emphasize it, but it's a great conversation topic and it connects into a lot of what we talked about just now. Sound healing with tuning forks and it works remotely. It's crazy as that might sound. We can get on a call and I balance the off balance energy with each chakra using tuning forks as the tool and put it all back in your central channel. And by the time it's over, all your chakras should be and will be, it's never failed, are fully activated the sizes should the strength they should be and the same size as each other. So, you know, you've been feeling really in your head or something lately, anybody out there, you might just need to rebalance your lower centers and maybe let some of the excess energy out of the higher centers. And it's a very technical and almost like mechanical process in its consistency. Quite amazing. Going through the sound healing session at the end of it, I often am able to, because of what I found in the field, give a pretty good description of what your life has been like up till now. <laughs> and it almost feels like I'm psychic, but really I'm just like reading the energy in the field and where it was at in the field because our auras have an anatomy that is consistent for all of us because we're from the same blueprint, which is the universe. So I'd love to do sound healing sessions. I want to see you guys come jump in my Telegram channel too. We have a rockin' group chat for Interverse. All the links to all the things at interversepodcast.com. And thank you, man, for having me on. This has been 
a great conversation, super flow state. Really loved it. This is a beginning of a, yet another amazing relationship that I've been able to start with all of this stuff, man. I, I am just, I'm blessed. I get to meet and talk to just the coolest fucking people, man. I really I do. Know how you feel. I'm so privileged that <laughs> I get to talk ever. to all of these people. Um, yeah, I, it's insane. So I, dude, I may, I may actually connect with you on sound healing. Um, because I have been, I dude, I've been feeling off, especially, um, the moon has been doing really weird shit lately that I've been like, I, I'm a sky watcher and there's been a lot of really weird shit going on lately. Um, and I, well, I think I it's just that. thrown me off. And then we could come back on, uh, you know, what's hidden in plain sight more than your aura and right. all of that. It's right there, but we don't really perceive or see it. It'd be right. fun to do a session and maybe have a little chat where we talk about what it was like on the receiving end. Cause that's a really fun thing to do. Well, and everything is everything like Tesla. If he was a real person, he said, you can figure yeah, out if he was real, if he was real. <laughs> um, I mean, the quote is real, whether or not he said it or whatever, but uh, it's, if you want to figure out this world or this, this realm, I forget exactly how he said it, but you have to think in frequency, vibration, and energy. And that's what it all is. And so Which is tuning, we are. Using, using tuning forks makes perfect freaking sense because it's tuning our vibrations. Like it's, it's like harmonizing it. Yep. It makes, uh, it makes perfect like sense. Light and darkness. Darkness can't overtake light. Light always takes over when it comes into where darkness is at harmony such as a something in tune as a frequency will always override disharmony and your body is just like that it's a self-tuning instrument and if you show it the template of wholeness which is nature same thing could happen by getting out into nature having a forest bath going on a barefoot hike all that can be a very similar effect to using a tuning fork but tuning forks are like surgical <laughs> and they really right. get in there so what you just quoted, Tesla's reality as a person or a Mandela effect or whatever aside, which is a fun <laughs> thing to think about. It is. Universes, energy, vibration, and frequency. You are universe, which means the only thing you have any control over and the any, only thing about you that's real is your vibe. So get your vibe right and keep continually cultivating that vibe because there is no end to our pursuit of wholeness because the wholeness we're pursuing is infinite, which means we just get to continue getting better forever, which is exciting as can be cultivate your vibe and watch how the universe rearranges itself around you based on your energy. Instead of trying to work externally and say, if I get this thing, if I do that, if I get the job, if this happens, then I'll be happy. Find the way to feel good now. And you do that by, saying no to anything that isn't a complete 100% hell yes. <laughs> Try that. <laughs> That's a really good start for boundaries and, and being the limiter instead of being limited. And the universe will respond in kind. The energy that you bring to it is the energy that you'll get from it. I love it, man. I love positive energy, man. I've, I've switched from black pill to white pill. I, I still go back and forth a Clear little bit. Clear pill. No yeah. pill. <laughs> no pill. No pill is the goal. Pill. No pill is the goal, right? Is to... You know, again, the pill does not exist. So, <laughs> so, man, I appreciate it. We'll have you on again. Everybody, go check out his stuff. It's, it's really good. If you if you aren't feeling right, 
if you just want to connect with some awesome people, uh, go to his Telegram chat. Check out his we work. Have an awesome tribe. I just met a bunch of yeah. them in real life. It was incredible. Trad, I think we needed to start doing more of that and actually making like uh, pilgrimages, for lack of a better term, to to meet up with each other and share our energies. It's super yeah, important. It's super freaking important. So, on that bombshell, we will end it. Thank you for coming to the show, Chance. Brother, love you, man. We'll do it again. Much love to you and everybody out there. All right, man. Later. Life goes on, and I'm a fellowship But I'm a fellowship